Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. We love movies with great heroes, right? Like when the hero shows up at the last minute and, and saves the day, we, we love movies with, with these just phenomenal heroes. But let's be real. We also like the movies with good villains as well. You know, we, we love a good rescue story. But, you know, I would suggest this morning that we especially love the movies where the villain, you know, at the last minute has like a change of heart. And, and all of a sudden, it's like the bad guy turns good. You know, we, we like those types of movies as well. I mean, you can, you can think about different movies out there. Um, 99% of the villains, you know, they, they die at the end or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but there's that small percentage of, of movies, the stories, where the bad guy turns good. We love to root for the heroes. Uh, but the thing is, when, when we identify with the villain. You know, that, that meets us at a profound level. Uh, when, when we see that story of redemption, when we see that heart change, that means something to us. Again, when we identify with the bad guy, the, the villain, and then we see them become good at the end, or, or even they become the hero. Like, we love these stories. We love these stories of heart change. In the Bible, the Bible speaks about the heart. It actually talks about the the inner person. It uses these terms, heart and and spirit, to describe this inner reality, heart and spirit. There's this ancient saying uh, that says, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. You know, we, we all need help. We all recognize that there is this inner darkness within us. To use that language, there, there is this inner wrestling that we, we go through. And now God, in his great mercy, he doesn't just ignore us or say, forget about you. He doesn't say, go to hell. That's, that's not what God says. God's actually very intentional about restoring our heart, restoring us, heart and spirit. And getting to the point, the way he does this, it's, it's Jesus. It's the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. In John 14, there's this upper room moment where one of the disciples asks, like, how can we know the way? And Jesus is like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To get back to God, to to get back into that restored relationship, it's through Jesus Christ. So today, uh, I introduce a, a new sermon series that we're going to be getting into. It's a four-part series. Uh, we'll be in Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, and, and a four-part sermon series. Uh, this story in Ezekiel, in, in the Old Testament, it takes place long before Jesus was born. But certainly, this sermon series will be very gospel-saturated, gospel-focused. We'll be keeping our eyes on Jesus as we spend time and Ezekiel. Certainly, this sermon series will point us to Jesus. And so let's just let's tell a story. Uh, we have the people of Israel. 
long, long time ago, our spiritual ancestors, the people of Israel. God chose them. God elected them to represent God's character to, to the world. Uh, they certainly had uh, tons of dark moments in their history. And as we read through the Old Testament, I mean, it's two-thirds of our Bible. It's important to, to hang out in the Old Testament. As we read their story and we, and we see all the ups and downs, a lot of downs, you know, to be real. As we read their story, we find out that they actually fail pretty good at this whole election business. Again, they're the chosen people. They're supposed to be represent, representing God and God's character and, and showing the nations who God is, is like. And it turns out there, they fail. And in God's wisdom, he thought it was wise. He, he brings some, some judgment, some correction. And there's this story, there's this scene in Israel's long history. Babylon, uh, Babylonian captivity. In the 6th century B.C., um, you know, God, again, he thought it was wise. Where, where in 2 Kings 24, King Nebuchadnezzar, he shows up and he, he takes the city. He actually leaves the city standing still, but he brings all of these people into exile. He, they're, they're captured and they're taken away from their homeland and they're dragged out to Babylon. And, and only uh, the poorest of the poor are left behind. So, you, you know, captivity, exile, this is, this is so bad for a people group, right? This is bad news. Now, kind of zooming in a little bit, there's this priest named Ezekiel. He's part of this group of captives. And he, again, he's taken away. He's in Babylon. He's a priest. And God uses Ezekiel as a prophet during these, during these times. And Ezekiel was given all these visions and, and if you haven't read Ezekiel in a while or, you know, maybe the first time you, you, you ever read Ezekiel, you're like, man, is this guy on an acid trip? Or like this guy is like some of those visions are so wild. And you're like, man, like, was he was he smoking something like like I don't know. But but God is giving giving Ezekiel these these visions and they're wild. And, and Ezekiel, he's, he's writing down what he sees. He's, he's a prophet. And this is how we get the, the book of Ezekiel. He's compiling all of this stuff. And, and there's allegories that Ezekiel is using. And Ezekiel, he, he not only um, you know, prophetically spoke things out and, and wrote things down, but he also acted things out as well. And again, it, it makes us think, what's, you know... If you weren't aware of, of God being involved in this whole process as an outsider, you'd be thinking there's something wrong with this man. One of the times he was laying on his side and he was eating his food cooked over cow poop. You know, that was it was an act. It was an action. He was acting out prophecies. All of his actions meant something. And it was wild. Ezekiel is a wild prophecy, prophetic book. So Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, as he's writing these things out, a lot of judgments on the nations. God is giving him judgments, things to say. Judgments against Israel, the people. The people uh, are just filled with uh, idolatry, false god worship, injustice is a big theme in Ezekiel. 
About 40 times in the book, Ezekiel talks about abominations. He uses that word. And so we're in, we're in the book of Ezekiel. Life goes on in captivity. We get to chapter 33. Kind of fast forwarding here. Chapter 33. We find out that the city of Jerusalem actually falls down. It was still standing, but in chapter 33, it falls down. The city has fallen. This is devastating news. Because they're not only in exile and so far from home, but now they basically find out that there is no home. Home got trashed. And it is bad news. Again, step back. Remember, chosen people, the elected, they have this responsibility, this this special calling upon their lives, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, right? They have this special blessing upon them. They're in exile. Home, hometown just got trashed. I'll get to the point. The people of Israel, they're rotting away spiritually. They're in exile. And now their precious town is in ruin. But then Ezekiel, he starts to think about hope. He starts to explore concepts of hope in chapter 34. And by the time we get to chapter 36, skipping over a lot of details, but in chapter 36, we get to prophecies of restoration. And there's imagery of of new branches growing, fruit being produced, fruitfulness, multiplication of fruit, and and talks of, of being rebuilt. It's just wonderful language in chapter 36. And it turns out God does not quit on his people. And so here's the thing about hopelessness. Hopelessness can form in us when we start to believe the lie that God has abandoned us. That God has checked out. That God is out somewhere playing God golf. You know, sometimes that's that's what we start to believe. That God is far away. That God is sleeping. And that forms and fuels hopelessness inside of us. But church, God is alive. God is working. God is on the move. And so we pick up the story. We pick up the text in chapter 36. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 36 in Ezekiel. Donna read it a few moments ago. Starting with verse 22 and 23. Uh, We'll just work through a couple of these verses here today. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And so, okay, God's like, Israel, wherever you go, you mess things up. You're supposed to represent me, my character, my holiness, my grace. But wherever you go, you bring your trash You soil things, Israel. And now God's like, you know what? I'm going to act on my behalf. 
For the sake of my holy name, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to vindicate the name. I'm going to vindicate my holiness. And guess what? The nations are going to know that I am God. Watch what I'm about to do. Everyone's going to know that I am God. So what is God going to do? God is taking action. And God is going to do something that probably only God would think of. And certainly God is going to do only something God can do. Are you ready for it? It is radical transformation. God is going to bring radical transformation. Check out verse 24. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into your own land. I hope you hear the, the grace in that statement. This is how God brings restoration. This sermon series is called Restored. So we're going to be talking about restoration the next four weeks. God brings restoration by simply gathering and bringing his people back. God is a people gatherer. All right. What God is up to here in verse 24, this is reverse exile. God is going to take the initiative, the action here. And you know what? I just want to jump straight to Jesus right now. Only Jesus ends our spiritual exile. Jesus is the one who brings us back into the family of God. It's all about his work. It's all about his initiative, his grace. Do you believe that God is gracious? Do you believe that God is gracious? God brings restoration by gathering his people. That's step one. Next step. God brings restoration by regenerating his people. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I, will, and I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So let's just slow, slow down here. I think a concept to really just grapple with for a moment is this idea of dirtiness. Being unclean. One theologian I was reading, he points out, he's like, every culture, like, like, like the chronically dirty is, is a problem, okay? Different cultures have different ideas of what's clean and unclean. And so, so yeah, we can, we can put that on the table. But really, if somebody is chronically dirty, like every culture views that as a problem. Humans know what, what it means to be physically dirty, to be soiled, to be greasy and sweaty and smelly, right? Sticky. <laughs> Poor hygiene. It's a problem. It, it can lead to further problems, right? There, there's bacteria, virus, parasites. I think of the show Kitchen Nightmares. Have you ever seen that show with uh, Chef Ramsay? He goes into these, these restaurants and he goes to their kitchen. It's my favorite part in the whole episode. When, when Chef Ramsay goes to the kitchen and, and, and the freezer, 
He says something like, you know everything you need to know about a chef by the way they organize their freezer. And so some of these episodes, he opens up the freezer and it's, it's dark. It looks like a dungeon in there. There's like raw meat sitting next to cooked meat sitting next to a bucket of shrimp. And then there's like a rotting lemon. You know, it's just like it's filthy. There's, there's mold and, and droppings. And, and it's just like, what in the world? And Chef Ramsay has a meltdown, if you know him. He, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. But, you know, we understand physical dirtiness super well. we got to make the jump and see the spiritual dirtiness inside of us. That the, the kitchen fridge of our heart is gross. We are filthy with sin and we need to be washed up. Our hearts are petrified. You know what? We need a radical heart surgery. We actually need this spiritual heart transplant. And notice God doesn't give us like a, a recipe of, of things to do in order to get this new heart. What God is going to do is something only God can do. It's, it's totally his work. One author named Landon Down, he points out, there's no clean yourself up first and then come to me kind of message. And I'm sorry if you have ever heard that, that you need to clean yourself up before you go to church or clean yourself up before you meet Jesus. That is not the message in your Bible. This is all the grace. This is the initiative of God. You need to see it for yourself. If you're there in chapter 36, do you see this? God says, I will vindicate. I will take you from the nations. I will sprinkle you clean. I will give you a new heart. I will remove the heart of, of stone. I will put my spirit in you. I will, I will, I will. This is all the grace and initiative of God. In like capital letters, God is saying, I will, I will, I will, I will. This is me. I'm doing this. This is my grace. I'm doing it for you. And when God regenerates us, when God washes us clean and gives us that new heart, the good news is this regeneration event that happens inside of us and continues to happen inside of us as we follow Jesus as we practice his rhythms and his ways, as we continue to walk with Jesus, this regeneration project that, that is happening inside of us, it will, it will actually cause us to walk in God's way of living. This whole kingdom of priests and holy nation thing is getting a makeover. God's all about this inner transformation. And again, it is his Gift. It is his gift. I want to bounce to the New Testament real quick. Ephesians chapter 2. We're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up in him, with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a a result of works so that no one may boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's his love. It's his initiative. It is his grace. We are God's workmanship. And God is all about doing this heart surgery thing upon us. Again, heart and spirit, these are the words the Bible uses to talk about the inner person. In evangelical terms, when when Jesus comes into our, our heart, when the Holy Spirit is there, the Holy Spirit is regenerating us. This will cause us to think differently. This will cause us to feel differently. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Christians struggle a ton. There's a civil war going on within you. The old you versus the new you. Romans 8, 6 says, The mindset of the old you is death. But the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. But the Bible says, hey, you know what? Repent and believe the good news. The Bible says believe and get baptized. Baptism is, what's baptism? It's when we get, you know, we get splashed. It's this outward, this outward sign of the inner change. When God says, I'm going to sprinkle you, right? We're like, we're reenacting what is happening. We get baptized, you know? And of course, there's different methods you know, some of us, we, we, we need, all of us, we, we really need that, like, power washer. You know, God, get your power washer out. Like, spray me down. I don't know, we'll do baptisms later. Get the power washer. <laughs> God restores us by gathering us. Right? He, he wants us to be together. Family, relationship. God restores us by gathering us. There's that communal aspect. God restores us by regenerating us. God restores us through reconciliation. That's our third point. By gathering us, regenerating us, and now through reconciliation. Check out verse 28. And verse 28 is a a good place to conclude for today. Oh, I'm in Ephesians. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. This verse is all about healing. It's all about relationship right here. God is going to achieve this healing and this, re- this reconciliation. He's going to achieve it, finally fulfill it through the cross of Jesus Christ. Again, not, you know, no offense to Ezekiel. I'm doing like some good Old Testament Bible study time here. We're going to skip that and go straight to Jesus. The cross. 2 Corinthians 5 teaches, When someone becomes a Christian, they become a brand new person inside. They are not the same anymore. A new life has begun. All these things are from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. 
And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. Verse 28. God is going to bring his people home. They shall be my people. I shall be their God. God is intentional about restoration. He does not quit on his people. God is intentional about reversing exile. The spiritual exile that's caused by sin. God wants to end that. God restores us by regenerating us. He provides His Holy Spirit. He washes us clean. We have a new heart, a new spirit. And God restores us through reconciliation. Through Christ, we are brought back into the family of God. We are brought back home. People and God, together. You shall be my people, and I'll be your God. We're reconciled. What used to split us apart is gone. The cross ended it. We are back together. And also, verse 28 points to a future reality. That someday, Jews and Gentiles, all believers, will dwell in perfect restoration. I hope you see the, the communal aspect here. The community of faith that is centered around Jesus Christ. We treasure it today. We look forward to it in the future. And so today's invitation is this. I invite you to believe. It sounds simple, but honestly, in the depths of who we are, sometimes it's so hard to grasp. I invite you to believe. Earlier I asked if you believe that God was gracious. If you believe that's true, that God is truly gracious, then what's true of you is this. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. Because God says, I love you. God says, I'm going to gather you. God says, I'm going to restore you. God says, I am going to restore you. And so, yes, we all love stories of redemption. We love stories of heart change. Do you believe that the story is still going on? The movie's not over yet. The movie is not over yet. Do you believe that God is still working? That God can still melt hearts? That there is still work inside of you to be done. We are his workmanship. He is the God of gracious restoration. Let's pray.